When someone has a scary thing happen to them, they are often keen to share it online through social media platforms. Most of the incidents that occur are just everyday frights, like near misses in cars, or other creepy things that freak people out. However, every now and then, someone posts a story that sends a chill down your spine. In this video, we'll be taking a look at exactly those. Look at me. Look at me is the terrifying true story of a teenage boy who had a creepy encounter when his parents were out. It's also a chilling reminder to always lock your doors. The boy, who we will call Tom, had a lot of homework to do, so when his parents went out, he settled down at his desk in his bedroom to start working. It was a stormy night, and as his desk faced the window, he could see the lightning strikes and hear the thunder clasps, so he put his headphones on and had music playing to drown out the outside noise. Tom never moved from his desk the whole evening. At around 11pm, his parents returned, and as soon as they opened the front door, Tom's mum screamed up the stairs, asking what on earth had happened. Tom ran downstairs and could see the downstairs carpet was covered in muddy footprints. He explained he had no idea how they had got there, as he had been upstairs the whole time. It soon dawned on the family. Someone had been or was still in the house. As they followed the muddy prints across the floor, they suddenly heard a loud pounding noise followed by the sound of the front door being opened and then slammed shut. Terrified, they all ran into the garage and locked the door behind them before calling the police. When the police arrived, they searched the house and confirmed it was safe for them to return inside. However, one of the officers asked whose bedroom was upstairs to the left. Tom said it was his. The officer then asked the family to follow her because she wanted to show them something. Scrawled in black marker pen on Tom's bedroom door was this chilling timeline. For over two hours, someone or something had been standing in Tom's doorway watching him. To this day, they do not know who it was. And who knows what would have happened if Tom had turned around. This story is particularly chilling for myself, as I often record late at night, headphones on, lights off, with the office door behind me and out of view. My dead girlfriend keeps messaging me on Facebook. In 2015, Nathan posted a sad story on Reddit. He explained that his girlfriend of five years, Emily, had died on the 7th of August 2012 after being involved in a three-car collision driving home from work when someone ran a red light and she passed away within minutes on the scene. These were the desperate messages he was sending to her Facebook on the day of the crash. Nathan described Emily as the love of his life and a girl who was vibrant, adventurous, a total technophile who was happiest when she was camping, and although she wasn't into getting married, he would have married her in a heartbeat. Nathan also acknowledged that she wasn't perfect and quoted what she said to him on one occasion. If I cark it first, don't just say good things about me, I've never liked that. If you don't pay me, you're out. You're doing me a disservice. I've got so many flaws and that's just part of me. Emily had been dead for about 13 months and Nathan, who was struggling with his grief, would occasionally still post messages on her Facebook wall and go through her albums 
as at this point, he still wasn't ready to memorialize it. He shared the access with Emily's mother, Susan, so when she received this message, he assumed it was her. However, when he asked Susan about the message, she told him that she hadn't logged on to her daughter's account since the week of her death. He kind of shrugged it off as a mistake, until a couple of months later, he got another message. Nathan started believing it was one of Emily's tech-savvy friends messing with him in the worst possible way. He'd also noticed that whoever was chatting with him was recycling old messages from Emily's and his shared chat history, although the majority of the messages just said hello. Things got weirder when in February 2014, Emily started tagging herself in Nathan's photos. He would get notifications for them, but the tag would generally always be removed by the time he got to it. These are two of the screenshots he managed to save. By now, Nathan was deeply troubled and found it hard to sleep. He thought about killing his Facebook page, but he was already socially reclusive and he wanted to still be able to chat to his friends online and visit Emily's page for comfort. In desperation, he sent this message to her and received this message back. Nathan was at a loss. He had changed the passwords and searched endlessly on tech forums to try and track down who was sending these messages from the grave. But the messages continued. He found out the locations they were sent from were places Emily would have been. However, it was this message that really scared him. It gave Tom nightmares. He kept dreaming that Emily was in an ice-cold car, frozen blue and grey, and he was standing outside in the warmth, screaming at her to open the door but she doesn't even realize he's there. This last message instigated by Tom was the final straw. He wasn't actually drunk, but was trying to get a reaction, and her reply is what finally prompted Tom to memorialize her Facebook page. He realized it was pasted from an old conversation when he was trying to convince her to let him drive her home from a friend's. Although Tom memorialized Emily's page, he was still in turmoil. What if it was her? What if she was still alive? Who plays such a sick joke on a grieving partner? To date, there are no answers. Dr. Ramsey This is a true stalking story shared online that happened many years ago and will call the girl involved Jane. A week or so before Jane's 10th birthday, she walked to the corner store to pick up a jar of ragu for her mum. On the way home, a man she'd never seen before started walking beside her and began talking. This is what he said. Hi, my name is Dr. Ramsey. I'm a pediatrician. Are your parents looking for a pediatrician? Of course, you're almost a big girl now. You'll be needing another kind of doctor soon, won't you? That's okay, though. They can still bring you to me until then. What's your name? You have beautiful hair. I was just on my way to get some suckers for the candy jar in my office. Do you like suckers? As Jane hurried towards her house, she didn't know it at the time, but this was the beginning of a very long, very scary ordeal. Not long after the encounter, Dr. Ramsey started to show up everywhere. He would drive by Jane nearly every day, smiling and waving, and then the phone calls began. Jane's parents asked her about the day Dr. Ramsey followed her home, and she told them all she knew. However, it turned out it was not just Jane he knew about, he knew her sister's name as well. At this point, Jane's parents told both girls not to answer the phone. 
By now, Dr. Ramsey was calling Jane's parents several times a day, but Jane and her sisters had no idea what he was talking about. The police got involved, but at the time, there were no stalking laws, and they were powerless to do anything. They could only act if Dr. Ramsey actually did anything. In desperation, Jane's dad called on an old friend who was a police officer, and for the next few weeks, he escorted Jane and her sister everywhere. This is when things escalated, and Dr. Ramsey started lurking on the family's property. One morning, they woke up to find the family dog hanging from the side porch. The devastated family contacted the police, who again said there was no evidence Dr. Ramsey was responsible. The phone calls became creepier, and he would describe who was home at the time he was calling. He also talked about the house itself, and how easy he could get in the kitchen window and the French doors. Jane's father decided to beef up the security and put in some carpenter nails at the bottom of the French doors until he could get a new lock ordered. The same day, Jane's parents were out on a company event and Jane, her sister and younger brother were in the house alone when suddenly the top of the French doors swung inwards and in a few milliseconds before the nails in the bottom caused them to snap back, Jane could see Dr. Ramsey's silhouette. The children ran upstairs, but could still see him standing in the backyard, knocking the door loudly. Jane's older sister called down and asked what he wanted. He said he had a pizza for delivery. She told him she was calling the cops and he left. On another occasion, Jane's older brother caught Dr. Ramsey peering through the kitchen window. Jane also spotted him lurking around when he was playing in the schoolyard. That same day, her mum had gotten a call from the school office asking her to verify that her dad was picking Jane up, as he'd called to say he was on his way. He wasn't. After the incidents, Jane's dad purchased a gun to protect his family. Dr. Ramsey terrorized the family for around 18 months before it all suddenly stopped. He simply vanished from their lives, no phone calls, no drive-bys, nothing. For years after, Jane had reoccurring nightmares, in which she would wake up to find Dr. Ramsey standing over her as she slept. He robbed her of part of her carefree childhood. Years later, Jane found out the real content of the phone calls. Dr. Ramsey would tell her parents that he was going to abuse and kill her and her sister, and that there was nothing they could do about it. Sadly, at that time, he was right. Jane doesn't know what happened to Dr. Ramsey. Was he arrested? Was he dead? Or did her dad take the law into his own hands? We'll probably never know. Hal's Waiting Room This story was posted by a Redditor, who in his early 20s was a utilities meter reader in Iowa City. On occasions, he was required to enter a person's home to read a meter, even if they weren't home, something he explained he felt uneasy about especially if the meter was in the basement. During his time reading meters, he had seen all sorts of unpleasant things in basements, from cockroach infestations to bizarre sexual items and even a coffin. However, there was one basement that the meter reader found beyond uncomfortable. The first time he visited this particular house, he entered the building from the back door, which led to the top of a staircase. He flipped the light switch, but no lights turned on, as he wasn't carrying a flashlight, he used the light from his handheld screen and made his way down into the darkness of the basement. 
Once at the bottom, he blindly shuffled across the room and eventually reached the far side and discovered two doors. Each door led into its own small room. He chose the door on the right and found the meters in the far corner. As he entered the reading, he began hearing noises coming from the other room. Something was moving, and there was whimpering that grew louder and louder. Eventually he realized it was a dog. It sounded weak and distressed. He tried to open the door, but it was locked. At this point, the dog was scratching the other side of the door. When he got back to the office, he reported the incident, but found it hard to shake off the thought of the dog. Soon it was time to return to the apartment, and he found himself back in the basement. This time he heard nothing, but he couldn't shake off the memory of that dog. He stood outside the door for a few moments, listening, but still nothing. That's when he made a huge mistake. He tried to open the door. As he jiggled the doorknob, he heard the most blood-curdling screams, unlike anything he'd ever heard. Sounds that he didn't think a human was capable of producing. Short, piercing, high-pitched shrieks, followed abruptly by a low, drawn-out guttural moan that morphed into something that he could only describe as crying, but much louder. He shouted, hello, do you need help? But there was no response, just screams. It became obvious whoever it was didn't want help, they wanted him gone. When he finally left, it was still as loud and demented as when it began. He again reported what he'd heard, but nothing came of it. As his return drew nearer, a sense of dread grew inside of him. What kind of lunatic sits alone in total darkness and silence? His mind created endless explanations for what kind of hell lay beyond that door. But the next time, there was no sign of him, or even for the next several months. Months later, he went to a concert with his friend Lara. After the show, he gave her a ride home. She had recently moved so directed him as they drove. To his horror, she had moved into the house with the mysterious room in the basement. He asked her, This sounds weird, but have you noticed anything odd about the basement or this? Before he could finish, she blurted out, A crazy guy lives down there. She went on to tell him that even though her apartment was in the attic, she often heard him yelling late at night, and she had actually met him, but when she tried to say hi, he gave no reaction, just stuck out his tongue. She had been a little creeped out, but just ignored it. Two or three months later, the meter man finally met the mysterious man. As he entered the back door, like he had on so many other occasions, something felt different. There was no light on in the basement, and as he looked down the stairs at the bottom, was a ragged-looking dog, the same dog he'd heard during his first visit. Behind the dog, he could see a pair of bare feet. He shakingly called out, meter reader, and started to walk down the stairs. He was confronted by a middle-aged man. His head was shaved and his eyes were wild. He was wearing pants but no shirt, and his bare chest revealed his lean and sinewy body. To his surprise, not only did the man talk, but he acted somewhat normal. As he read the meters, the man rapidly paced back and forth, constantly wringing his hands together, and occasionally cocked his head from side to side. He was becoming more and more agitated trying to suppress something, but he was losing the battle. As the meter man started to make his way to the exit, the man followed. As he did, his verbal outbursts grew louder and more frequent before he let out the very same unforgettable screams that had been heard coming from the locked room all those months back. The meter man ran up the stairs as fast as his legs could carry him, flung the door open and rushed back into the daylight. 
A month or two later, he saw Lara. But as he was relaying what happened, he could tell that something was on her mind. When he finished telling her his story, she told him about something that had happened a couple of weeks earlier, when she noticed lights flashing outside of her window. She looked outside and saw police officers placing the man from the basement in the backseat of a squad car. She later found out from another tenant that he had attacked someone with a knife. And that was the last they ever saw of him. The man in the yellow raincoat. This is something that happened to a lady from Korea in the early 2000s. We'll call her Kim. Kim lived in an apartment complex in Seoul. She was a stay-at-home mum with a young daughter. One day Kim returned home from running errands with her daughter and got into the elevator in her building. Already in the elevator was a man she did not recognize, wearing a cap and a yellow raincoat, carrying a parcel wrapped in newspaper. He didn't acknowledge her and kept his head down, and Kim immediately felt uneasy. What made it worse was she noticed that when she pressed the button on her floor, there were no other lit numbers. Kim started to panic and decided to take out her phone and pretend she was calling home to her husband to tell him she was in the elevator and would he open the door to their apartment. When the elevator reached her floor, she quickly got out and grabbed her daughter and walked as fast as possible to her apartment door. The man also got out and was following her down the hallway. When Kim reached the door, she called out to her husband and started to bang on the door, pretending her husband was home, even though he was at work. This seemed to deter the man, and he turned around and walked back to the elevator. When he seemed far enough away, Kim quickly picked up her daughter and frantically punched in her keycode. However, the buttons made sounds that prompted the man to turn around and run back towards her. At this point, Kim was practically screaming, but she finally got the door open and locked it behind her. She could see through the spy hole that the man had turned around and walked back down the hall. Several months later, Kim was watching the news, and there was coverage of the capture of Yu Young Chul, a serial killer, sex offender, and self-confessed cannibal, who was later convicted of 19 murders. As his photo flashed on the screen, Kim recognized the all-too-familiar yellow raincoat and hat that he was wearing when apprehended. So that's it for these horror stories. We hope you enjoyed, and if you did, let us know in the comments section below, and we'll feature some more. Thanks for watching, as always, we'll see you in the next video.